Welcome to the Understory Podcast. Understory Podcast features innovations and innovators who are making a difference in making our world more sustainable. Today, we're really excited to have Gar Punnett, who is the Chief of Staff and Circular Economist at Replay. Gar, welcome to the Understory Podcast. We're really excited to have you and to have you talk about what you do. Thank you. Thanks for having me. No, it's it's uh, great to be here. Anytime we can talk about Reapley's message and and what we're trying to accomplish in the circular economy, I'm I'm all for it. Great. To start off, tell us about what Reapley does and its mission and its value. Yeah, uh, the the quick version. Um, Reapley's uh, a, a platform. We're a, we're a SaaS platform, so we're a software as a service platform that is focusing on scaling reuse through large organizations. I don't think it will be a surprise to any of us that in the workplace of which we spend most of our time, uh, there is lots of things. I say things vaguely because it can be anything from uh, IT equipment, um, uh, ruse infrastructure in terms of ruse being real estate and workplace solutions. So any of the fixtures like tables, desks, lights, it doesn't matter. We handle it all. It doesn't matter what it is. Um, we're sort of uh, asset agnostic, thing agnostic in that way, where we're just trying to get better visibility on the things that you have in your workplace so that it doesn't go to landfill and you might be able to share it with your colleagues and actually achieve a significant ROI through that reuse. Great. Tell us more about that because it is hard to scale reuse. And so how does the Replace business model and operating model play into making this a reality, making this work for organizations of different sizes and making it work for, as you described, the diversity or multitude of things that exist in any company or any organization. Without a doubt, it's a challenge. Um, but we've, we're sort of starting with our business model of charging um, organizations a monthly subscription fee, essentially, a, a monthly fee that um, allows us to incorporate our solution in their organization and then help scale that solution throughout their uh, various colleagues and what we might consider our users. And so part of our offering is not only are we actually Um, scaling this technology through uh, the organization by just the nature of how it it, it is more viral than anything else before in terms of reuse. Uh, But we also do a significant marketing push. And so a lot of our uh, sort of special sauce in that way is really trying to figure out how are we connecting the dots, uh, you know, one colleague to another, as well as how are we connecting um, similar peers. So not only one colleague to one another at an organization, but how do we connect colleagues across organizational boundaries? And so the second part of your question there in terms of how do we actually price this offering is really all about how do we make sure that we can uh, price our, our offering and our service to a large organization in a, in a specific geography? And then how do we actually connect that potentially to the smaller organizations? So that might be a university to a large pharma client. That might be a university and a pharma client to a small nonprofit or a local school um, or even a local small business that could actually use things that are coming outbound of these large organizations. Interesting. So taking on example, um, like university and a large pharmaceutical company, um, let's say that just for audience understanding that um, the university has different laboratories and they have uh, certain equipments that they no longer want to use or and Ripley is able to allow pharmaceutical companies to discover what these 
uh, reusable uh, equipments are, and then uh, facilitate that transaction and uh, movement of those equipments. Is that yeah, a good characterization? That's, that's a great characterization. I think that when it comes down to pharmaceutical companies or uh, labs in general, it's our strongest use case right now. Um, only because it's the oldest for us. It's it's sort right. of our origin story was in the laboratory setting. However, we've moved quite quickly into manufacturing and technology, uh, government, and then and then other types of sort of retail settings. So in that, we're we're actually targeting any organization that has a significant throughput of either R and D spending or capital asset expenditures. We see that those are opportunities um, where there's often waste associated, um, and so. It's, it's in that vein that we're constantly looking at which types of industries and organizations actually have the ability to reuse um, more things internal to their operations than they realize. And so reuse can be something as simple as uh, someone purchases an item for a specific use and then it goes and sits in a warehouse. And typically in that case, uh, once it sits in the warehouse and it's not really visible, uh, it kind of has this pending doom associated with it, where if the longer it sits there, the more and more likely it is to kind of be um, eventually associated with a throwaway decision where someone will look at it and be like, we haven't used this in ages. It's not really worth anything. So we're going to throw it out. Um, what Reapley's trying to do is, again, give that an opportunity to say, oh, basically to circumvent that, that decision making where it's like, oh, it's sitting here. And to not allow someone to say, oh, it's not being utilized, it's not of value because no one's using it, it's actually because no one's seeing it. And so what we're often finding is because no one's seeing it, they don't know it exists. So they're off, to, they're off buying new things when they might have a perfectly good thing sitting in their, their warehouse or sitting in their storeroom or sitting in a colleague's office down the hall. Um, and so we're just trying to, again, bring visibility to those items. Now, on the flip side, we also have a significant um, use case around uh, – just frankly, reutilizing what's called added stock. Um, and now added stock is, is sort of the, um, the leftovers, the surplus. Mm. So very often at a large organization, people are buying things at a certain economies of scale to right. hit certain price points. But there's almost always a built-in amount of surplus. So people, you know, we, we all do the same thing in our, in our consuming habits, which is we go to the store, maybe we buy something more than something than we actually needed. Um, we all sort of hit up that Costco trip once a month and then we realize, oh, we didn't actually need all of this. And so yeah. it kind of can maybe go to waste. Op uh, sort of operations at the, at the industry level, at the enterprise level are really the exact same. They're trying to hit certain price points and they maybe buy more than they need. And so this added stock can often sit around. That can be chemicals, that can be lab consumables, that can be something like we've seen in the retail setting like uh, flooring tiles or ceiling tiles or lighting fixtures. And if those just sit around long enough, people are going to think they're not worth anything, but they actually are. Um, and so we can actually increase the visibility of that surplus and connect it back into its original use um, into other organizations or, um, or frankly, just even internal to other operations um, by connecting colleagues again and connecting departments. Yeah. I mean, what you describe here is, you know, should be a no-brainer for organizations right. uh, because yes. it help reduce potential inventory or find different ways of uh, move inventory, access inventory, reduce capital expenditure. But when you go to these organizations that are not your early adopters, if you will, um, how do you even describe to them, uh, well, 
you're able to describe to them, I, I, I think, but for these organs to be able to say, you're right, um, and let me go find these surpluses, let me go find this added stock. Do organizations have this capability today to identify where those opportunities are internally and then be able to leverage replace technology innovation to help them actually execute the reuse? I would say yes and no for two reasons. <laughs> yes, in the sense that whenever we're talking to an organization, there's a almost, I mean, I would, it's an astounding amount of times we get on a call and people immediately identify with our solution. And that's right. because it's a very personal act- endeavor. We've all had experiences where we're looking to buy something from our with our the help of our procurement team, but it might be a three-week wait or a four-week wait. We've all had experiences where we actually maybe don't have the budget to buy that thing we need and we have to make do. So when we get into that type of conversation, people always identify with that. And so the, the question really then becomes, oh, wait, you're telling me that I can buy something or, or acquire something that might be already at my colleague's um, sort of workplace setting, or I can already buy something that's in my local sort of enterprise warehouse. And that becomes a very different conversation because then it really clicks. Um, and then on the other side of this, uh, we're, we're also, again, offering opportunities to see other people's owned property. And so we're increasing the, the ability to connect those dots by saying, hey, you may not be able to find this thing at, with your colleague in your organization, but you might be able to potentially find it with your peer at another organization and source it from them. And then we facilitate that transaction. Yeah. So typically, do you sell to the head of procurement or the CFO organization, or you start with head of sustainability? Um, an- another great question because it's a little bit of all of the above. Yeah. Um, you know, we've we've actually started. Uh, we really started hitting the sustainability stakeholders pretty hard right. um, when we when we sort of reformatted our our sales strategy. Uh, what we ended up seeing was. While, uh, while sustainability really got our message, and while they could really be the biggest advocates for us and the champions internally, they often actually didn't have the highest amount of buying power within the organization. So they couldn't really, their job became more, again, of, of the, the champion, um, right. less about the actual buyer. And so then we really had to use them as a way to leverage other buyers within the organization that might be located in surplus, they might be located in facilities management, finance, um, or even an operation setting. Um, but there's also, you know, more and more traction around saving um, money, obviously in a post-COVID world, yeah. um, as well as um, how do we actually reduce our carbon footprint? And so that type of thinking is infiltrating more and more the decision-making process in non-sustainability roles, which is very important for us, is because more and more people are seeing, okay, I understand that maybe this isn't a direct one-to-one revenue-positive type of solution, but this will not only save us money from an ROI perspective that we can actually calculate in our in our platform, uh, but also we can calculate uh, carbon savings throughout the platform, which not only has a priority from a lot of uh, recent either company public goals, but also we believe will be increasingly important as there are more uh, more and more carbon priorities, not only from a consumer standpoint and the consumer's relation to a company, but also with any legislation down the road where we might be able to start um, really tracking carbon metrics and then any type of additional foot, uh, footprint type of um, activity. Interesting. 
Thank you for that. So we talk about some of the organizational uh, challenges, if you will, and uh, who are the stakeholders in driving uh, these kinds of important actions forward, uh, enabled by Reply and, and other tools. So your part of your title, Gar, is you know circular economist, uh, which uh, is new uh, to industries and people didn't really understand what circularity means until I think last year and this year when it really bubbled up. Tell us uh, what does that mean and if organizations want to think about sustainability but beyond and getting to the more operational things like uh, what they can do with replay and put a team, put a person in the organization to focus on circularity what should they be thinking about in building these skills, uh, thinking about circular economy, circular model? I Yes. Um, when it comes to circular economy and, and better understanding circularity, the principles have actually been around for quite some time. Um, it's only now, I think, that we've started to actually reach a almost a nexus of technology um, and and then opportunity to actually start connecting systems. So this sort of goes hand in hand. I mean, I really think circular economy goes, uh, you know, straight to the core of anything IoT related, anything 5G related. Yeah. Um, this type of next gen technology is what's going to be needed in order to connect and make our systems more efficient to make the usage of everything that we manufacture more efficient. And so when you start thinking about really what does it mean to be, um, in my case, how I sort of self-proclaim being a circular economist, because it's not a real title yet. I, I, I want to pursue that title even more and even further at Reaply. Um, but really what this means now is how are you thinking about your systems? So how are you thinking about your systems internally? And then how are you thinking about your systems as they relate to your peer organizations, but also, and probably most importantly, your community and your immediate geographic area and how you can actually best support uh, the resilience of your community. So that's more of a systems design and a systems look at um, at what a circular economist title might mean or or what that sort of role and function could could actually deliver to an organization. But I actually really want to pursue that even further on, on the breakdown of that title. And eventually, when we can start to collect more data uh, around uh, the value of these assets that are being circularly pushed around our organizations um, and around our economy, what does this mean from a unit economics breakdown? So how do we actually start to study the impact of individual items, start to study both the life, from a life cycle standpoint, but also just from a value of their material makeup? And can we start to better understand each of the unit economics as an asset or as a material flows throughout an economy? Um, right now, our whole system, in terms of when we buy things and when we procure things, is based on a linear system of thinking. So it's very much based on how do we actually take something into an organization through procurement, how do we use it, and then how do we get rid of it? And what being more sort of circular, circular unit focused and circular economics focused, how do we actually study the value of that item as it goes through that linear sort of um, uh, supply chain or, or life cycle, and then actually circulating it back around to the services, the industries that might be able to use it again, 
or actually might be able to refurbish it or remanufacture this type of item and get it back into circulation. And what does that actually mean from the economics of that unit again, but also the decrease in footprint associated with that item, the decrease in carbon associated with that item, um, and then how do we track that so that we can better understand how to make better purchasing decisions in the future, and frankly, better manufacturing decisions in the future. This is directly related to any sort of extended producer responsibility opportunities. It's directly related to any type of relationship an organization wants to have with being more efficient with their operations. I love that description. I think you just laid out a broader strategy for a lot of organizations in, in thinking about how to actually scale uh, or begin to think about scaling uh, circular uh, systems and, and, and the network. Um, Gar, last question. Uh, where do potential customers find you? Where can they see a demo? How do they reach uh, Replay to learn more? And out of all of this, it's my favorite question. So yes, come talk to us. Um, you can find us on our website, which is spelled uh, Reaply, R-H-E-A-P-L-Y. Um, and on there, not only will you be able to connect potentially with um, our sales team uh, through our info at Reaply, feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn um, at Gar Punnett. Um, and then also check out our careers page. Uh, we're growing, we're scaling. We have a lot to achieve in this next year and, and then in, as we go into 2022. And so we have lots of positions opening up and we're looking for people that are not only able to bring their hunger to, to solve problems, but also bring their unique experience in terms of either the technologies they're working on, the systems or operations they're a part of. We're looking for a diverse and, and range of of, of of thinking. It's the best part about working in circular economy. It's the best part about working in sustainability is just the range of opportunities and the range of perspectives that can be brought in to solve problems. Thank you so much, Gar. Gar Punnett, Chief of Staff and Chief Econ uh, Circular Economist at Ripley. Thank you so much. Of course. This is so much fun. Thank you. Thanks.